Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. What's Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the college basketball betting preview post football edition. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. And back in the mix this week is Mr. Mike Randall. What's going on, gentlemen? Randall's got to learn how to play through pain, just like the Razorbacks on their four man rotation. We got Mike Randall's got to learn to play through pain. I have to actually absorb the pain, believe in it, and use it, and then put a big circle on the board that says pain in the center. That is the coaching mechanism <laughs> that leads to victory. I tell you what Musselman really needs, though, is a, is, a, is a big hat, and he needs to pull a rabbit out of it because it's, it's just not going well, very well in Fable right now. Colin, you're hogs, and we're, just to give everyone a heads up of what we're going to cover on this episode, we're going to kind of catch people up in a non-elementary way. So we're just going to go through the major conferences. I'll touch on a, a few of the other conferences for those who've just been, you know, in their own world in football. All right. What is going on? What's the lay of the land? We'll drop a few nuggets, four teams for each conference. No guests this week. We'll have many guests coming up, as you know, for previous episodes that specialize in certain conferences. Really want to bring you guys that and continue to do so. We'll have a little rant or two in here from the week that was And uh, we'll talk about anything that we'd like on Friday night, as well as any spots we have circled for Saturday. But before we get into all of that, Colin, you want to just update everyone on where your hogs, who are squarely on the bubble, I mean, things just aren't going well from an injury perspective. So what's the latest? Woo, pig suey. Colin's talking Razorback basketball. Well, I mean, when we started podcasting right after college football came to an end, my my take on Arkansas was is Musselman's getting the most out of this group, but it's a seven man rotation with no size whatsoever. And we looked hot back then coming, you know, from non-conference play, but now injuries are starting to take a toll. Isaiah Joe, we knew had knee inflammation, which is why he had missed a game, came back, tried to give it a go. They decided to have surgery on that knee and he is out an indefinite amount of time. And that's just not like one player for the Hogs. That's a guy that we need on the perimeter as far as shooting is concerned as far as defense is concerned. And that takes the best player out of the seven-man rotation. As of, you know, we, we watched them play Auburn. They lose to Auburn. Auburn shows up after a game against Kentucky and they go to overtime and it, Arkansas has nothing in the tank because they're only running a six-man rotation. Mason Jones would shoot from the planet Jupiter if he was left open. Mason Jones. But the other news tonight came through is that Jimmy Witt Jr. is now hurt for the Hogs, and he's actually quietly their best two-point shooter. He, he's a jump shooter, can hit from anywhere inside the arc. So the injuries have piled up. 
we literally only have about five healthy guys. I think some others are hiding some injuries. Um, you know, fatigue is starting to set in. You can tell by Mason Jones missing everything in the last 10 minutes that we just don't have the depth. And if NIT odds get released by Circa, once again, Arkansas was 100 to 1 NIT odds about two or three weeks ago. I think the next four games could all be losses, even starting with as low, lowly Missouri this weekend. If there's NIT odds posted, you might want to invest some in the Razorbacks because they might get everybody healthy. And it's a young team that would be really pissed off for missing the tournament. Yeah. And NIT, I believe the scheduling is spread out enough to where, you know, it's not like the SEC tournament where the depth could become an issue, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if you're hoping for Arkansas to make a run, they're not a deep team. They have these injuries in the SEC tournament that might come back to bite them there and it might really squash any chances they have of making the NCAA tournament. So that's a good point on the NIT. This season, it feels like every team sucks. So who enters Struggle City this week? And who's moving out? Moving out. I guess we should get some rants out of the way. I have to rant about a random team, and then I'll let you go, Randall, and it's Merrimack. I've had a really good week. I don't have much to bitch about, uh, but I have to bitch about Merrimack. This team owns me, and I was like, they're running so well. Now, they run a zone about 95% of the time. It's interesting, in the Northeast Conference, they're in first place, but they're not eligible. They're going to go to the CIT. I think they already accepted a, uh, a bid. They're transitioning to Division One. They're not even eligible for the Northeast tournament or – the Northeast Conference Tournament or the NCAA Tournament until I think like 2024 or something, which is so dumb. But they have experienced guards. They run the zone, but they're getting so lucky. I mean, I don't, tonight I had Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't score in the final three minutes. And every time I watch the, their games, yes, I've watched multiple Merrimack games. They're just getting really lucky. They're running well, shooting wise. And then, so I decide maybe I'm just biased. Now I go to Kempom. I look at their luck rating. They're number one out of 353 teams. So you can expect more Merrimack fades, but that team has been a bugaboo for me. And they got me again tonight so really really good week hope to keep the momentum going all the way through march but mary mack has kind of owned me so i have to rant a little bit about them and expect some more mary mack fates starting uh saturday with long island at home the blackbirds randall you got anything you want to you bitch about or just talk about from the last week yeah, honestly, Fran McCaffrey, I've had enough of you. You know, I think sometimes some things happen and you look and say, you know, that's a little peculiar to me right now. First off, I lose the cover by Wisconsin back on last Monday by one because Davidson decides to do another crotch shot. And it was a crotch shot, guys. You don't stick your hand between someone's legs trying to hit their leg enough. So that ridiculousness led to a one point loss. Then Illinois, you know, sometimes, guys, you cap the game right, you have it. I thought the five points was way too much. Illinois battling inside. Coburn gets in foul trouble, of course. And Luca Garza, who to me is the player of the year in college basketball, but certainly is not known for hitting four threes. Garza hits four threes when he's only hit two at most in every other game. Illinois battles, plays great the whole game. They come out. And they lose that one by seven, so no cover there. And then, of course, we go to Purdue, and here we go. 19 threes, absolutely buried, 104 points you give up. So thank you very much, Fran McCaffrey in Iowa. And nice job with the no handshake, so you're a jerk as well. Three losses with them. Brutal job by Iowa. You know, this is a brutal league. We've had some tough losses. My players aren't always exactly disciplined like we want them. Nobody in this room is. It's human nature. It's pretty simple. 
is Fran McCaffrey cannot get any love on this podcast. Fran just says, you know, F it. We're not giving any handshakes out to Illinois. Plays Purdue and Purdue shoots 71% from two point, fifty six percent from three. Fran just waved everybody off to the locker room. We're not playing for the rest of the week. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And Purdue with another Mackey explosion. They've had a couple of these games this year where, what do they have? Seven? Who are they have? 50 in the first half or something against but Iowa? Guys, it's Stefan Stefanovic. I mean, like, this isn't like the most Rubik's Cube like offense. I mean, they just got their fanny kicked up and down the court. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, an absolute truck. It was like they were playing, you know, a D2 school is what the score looked like throughout the entire game. Colin, do you have anything else you want to bitch about before we move no, on? I, I mean, I just want to say Iowa has the, I think, the, the best offensive efficiency rating in all of the Big Ten, and they have the worst defensive efficiency rating. And I think it's plummeting even more as the games go by. So, I mean, how how much can this offense and Luca Garza, you know, hide the, the problems with this defense? I mean, I loved Iowa a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the warts are starting to show, and it starts with the coach. I'm sorry, and I accept full responsibility. I was, we've seen this profile in the past couple of years where they've had a really good offense, but their defense has been great. Now, I, their defensive metrics, you know, about a month ago were more promising, and now they're not. Now, obviously, they're going to be skewed, but, I mean, they give up 82 to Maryland on the road. You know, they gave up 89 to Penn State on the neutral court. Um, you know, they gave up 103 to Michigan and, you know, now 104 to Purdue. So, and you're right now they're dead last in a lot of defensive metrics. So I think that's ultimately going to hold them back because there's only so much that Garza, who's right there in the player of the year discussion uh, with Toussaint, who I love and Wieskamp and, and look, they have a really good core because Toussaint's going to be a player. He's a freshman. Wieskamp's only a sophomore. And then this kid, CJ Frederick, I really like just a really high IQ, smart player. You know, you have Connor McCaffrey, who has just been in a big shooting drought till the other night, but he's a sophomore. And then Gars is a junior. So if he comes back, I mean, this is a top 10 team next year. I mean, there'll be a lot of Fran talk on the podcast, but it, a lot of it will depend on if Garza comes back. Randall, you have any feel there? I think he might. I, I don't know how his game would translate to the pros. I mean, the thing is, anyone who's tempted to go pro always ends up doing it. And, and I've gotten in so many arguments with this. To me, why are you going unless you're going to be a lottery pick? I mean, I understand there are players who then come back and get worse, but Luca Garza, I mean, the, guy, the kid has an incredible work ethic. You hear the story about the offseason. He was st- getting in the gym at five o'clock, shooting three rounds of jumpers throughout the day. I hope he comes back. I would doubt it. I mean, because he's going to be right there for player of the year. I mean, he, he's he's dominating across the board and he's carrying this team, obviously, because they can't score at all sometimes when he goes cold. But so I, I think he's going to go. I, I get my hopes up. I'd love to see him back. But more than likely, more guys in this situation, they usually always go. You know, I said that about Iowa, about not playing any defense, but he actually does play a lot of defense. He's top, what, 120 and, and I think in blocks and he, he's one of the best rebounders in the nation. So And he doesn't foul at all somehow. Yeah, he doesn't foul. He's a, he's a great player for the NBA. It was interesting going back to that Purdue win, who I think, look, I mean, just to, to give a lay of the land here, I mean, it's a wide open year, right? And there's only one undefeated team at San Diego State. The number one team in the country is Baylor. And I think that there's 20 to 25 teams that have a legitimate shot to win it all. And, you know, would it surprise me if a team that's my top 30 or 40 made the final four? No. You know, a team like 
St. Mary's or Xavier, or Cincinnati. Um, I, I mean, these teams can make a run. You did the right matchup. You get a couple upsets. And I just listed off a couple of random teams. It really wouldn't shock me if anyone made a run. But just to, to show you how close this, this year is, I personally have Kansas rated as the number one team in the country. Do I love them? No. But that's just how they've fallen now. And then it's like Duke, Gonzaga, Baylor, Dayton, Louisville, Seton Hall, San Diego State, Michigan State, West Virginia. And then there's like a little cliff. To like Maryland, Arizona, Florida State, Penn State, Villanova, Oregon, Iowa. It's all a mess. And then like number 20-ish is like Kentucky, Colorado, Wisconsin. The difference between Colorado and Kentucky from like 20 down to like 35 is like a point in my power ratings. It's nothing. So the other day, someone was like, Purdue is 13 and 10 and they're 16 in Kempom. I was like, they're 16 in Kempom? I don't... So I went and looked at Kempom and they were... And then I was talking to someone else. They were 29 before that Iowa win. So that just shows you one win. This is how close these teams are bunched in other power rating systems too. One win brought them from 29 to 16. So all these teams are so close. Like getting in an argument over like who's five versus who's 12 or who's 10 or who's, you know, 18. It'll matter for seeding because obviously being a one or two is more important. But, you know, as far as who, who can make a run after those first couple rounds, it's, it's really going to come down to matchups. Um, but you as know, of right, know, stuck, it's, yeah. it's going to remind me of the year. Remember back in 2012, the one seem seemed pretty solid, right, this year. And they do. But I agree. After that, everyone's bunched up. Remember, there was two, I think it was two 15 seeds beat two seeds. I know Norfolk State beat Missouri. And then Duke went down. They went down to Lehigh, right? So it was like 2012. Both of those teams go down. That's what you could have this year. So there could be chaos, like you said, between that two to five range. We know the 12s beat the fives. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple twos go this year because everyone is so close. Yeah, the the team that I can't figure out, and I will not be putting my money against or for, is Michigan State. I mean, that home loss to Penn State, they had an eighty percent win probability with five minutes remaining, uh, shot fifty nine percent from inside the arc and lost. And then you know, two games ago against Wisconsin, they shot forty percent from three. They outboarded both of those teams and they lost both games. I, I can't figure them out for anything. Yeah, it's a it's a really good point because I mean, they obviously miss Langford. I mean, this is the team the preseason favorite to win it all. I've been stubborn in my power ratings. I finally had to drop them. I just said, look, it's Izzo, Winston, you have all this talent around him. I feel like they're in that upper echelon. I dropped them, for, but I, I had to drop them out. I mean, you against Wisconsin, undermanned Wisconsin team. You, know, you had King transfer. You had Davidson, Davidson who was suspended. Um, and then you come back home after, and again, that Sparty usually rolls, right? That's a spot that Sparty usually just wins by double digits. And then they lose to Penn State outright. Huge win for Penn State. But I had to drop them. I mean, now they're down, you know, 9, 10, 11. But they're just in that mix with all these other teams. There's just something off with them. I don't know what it is. And could they get it together by the tournament? Yeah, I mean, because they're in that bunch of teams that are, you know, that any of which can make a run. But there's something that's preventing them from being in that upper tier. There definitely is. I looked at this team early in the year. I was down on them. And then every time I got down on them, I'm like, Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, are these guys really that good? Like you said, whenever I started to say they weren't going to perform, then they go to Minnesota, they pound the Golden Gophers. Then I get back on and I agree with you. I put it out on Twitter. I said, this is a big spot. This is a classic Michigan State double digit win against Penn State. Sure enough, they lose at home to Penn State. And this is a classic setup for them to win the Big Ten tournament and they get bounced out of the first round of the tournament, right? This seems to be usual. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if Sparty, because like Sparty's a team that it'll be important for them to get like a two seed. Um, I don't think, I think they're out of the discussion for a one now, but I mean, if they win the Big Ten tournament, maybe, depending on what other things happen, but I think they're out for a one. But the difference between a two and a four, 
it could matter, especially in that first weekend. But let's let's talk about the Big Ten really quick. It, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, excuse me, could potentially get twelve teams in the tournament. As of right now, I have them with twelve teams in. I did a mock bracket. I have twelve teams in now. If Indiana, like Indiana, plays Purdue at home on Saturday, it's a pretty good spot. Um, and Purdue's been dreadful on the road. You know, if Indiana loses that game, I think I'll have them out. And, you know, then they have a tough schedule. And they'll probably, I think, end up being the odd man looking in. You know, but if a team like Purdue or Minnesota, I know Minnesota picked up a big win over Wisconsin. I mean, these things are, you know, there's a couple of teams that are on the bubble and it's going to flip every other game. There is a path where there's 12 teams that get in from the Big Ten. So while I, I don't think that there's, you know, a, t- a number one seed that comes out, of the Big Ten, this is the deepest league by far. You know, I think the most promising team from a talent perspective might be Maryland, but I don't trust Turgeon. I don't trust them away from home. Now, they've picked up a couple wins. They still won at Indiana, but there's still something off about that team. You know, I have my Wisconsin 80-1 to future that I added. It's the only future that I've added preseason. But, you know, the, the Iowa defense, I have questions about. Michigan State, something just seems off. So I don't know if, you know, as deep as the Big Ten is, and again, any of these teams can make a run, who do you trust the most? I mean, Illinois, I zone them. I don't trust their offense. Rutgers, they don't have a go-to guy. You know, in Penn State, do I I really trust Penn State to make the deep run? I mean, they have a, a star player that they can go to at any time. A lot to like about Penn State, but I just don't see... There, there's, I don't see any of these... I don't think I'll have any of these Big Ten teams going to the national championship. Now, obviously, it could change based on matchups and paths but is there a team that you ultimately trust that you you can see making a run to the final four or World championship but Randall, i'll start with you trust but verify i want to see illinois on friday mm-hmm. night against maryland this is a huge polarizing game maryland if they lose this game will say oh they just can't win on the road and honestly they shouldn't have beat illinois the first time remember cowan hit the shot from nearly half court they're the three to beat them but if they win this game this is an impressive win on a friday night up in Illinois, this is a big game for them. They knock off Maryland. Now, Illinois won, what, like eight of the last nine games. They lost a tough one to Iowa when Garza became Larry Bird. Fine. This is the team I trust. I, I agree with you. Zone them, 30.3% from three-point range this year, but they rebound. They have big will travel, and they shoot 73, almost 74% from the free throw line. So if you're asking me a team in the tournament on neutral site, that's probably who I'm leaning with right now. The one that I hate is Michigan. Folks, what is wrong with Michigan? You saw it today, Xavier Simpson's crash in his car, his athletic director's car. That's why he got suspended. He wrecked it. I mean, what a disaster. So I I agree. Totally wide open. To me, the most well-rounded team is Illinois. That's who I'm going to trust. All they have to do is get decent three-point shooting in a couple games. They have everything else. Yeah, they need Frazier to make shots. I mean, if they run into a a really good zone, though, like they would would lose to Syracuse in like the second round. Because like if you zone them, you kind of crowd – Coburn in the middle, and then you take away their driving ability, which sets up so much. And then it basically would be up to like Frazier taking like 30 foot bombs. So, but there's not too many really good zone teams in the country. Luckily, Merrimack can't make the tournament. Otherwise, Merrimack might beat Illinois the way that they're running. But Colin, who, who do you ultimately trust in the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I, Illinois was the one I was going to talk about. And, and you know, Randall hit all the talking points. But look at these other teams. I just, you know, I, I talked about Iowa being great on offense, terrible on defense. Michigan State is Jekyll and Hyde. Ohio State, best in the conference in shooting three-pointers, worst in the conference in defending the three. Illinois is a team I've had circled for a long time because 
because their schedule is just so tough for such a long stretch. And they're about to pull out of that. They have this Maryland game. Uh, then they have Michigan State. Then after that, I mean, I know Rutgers and Penn State are good, but there's a Nebraska Northwestern swing in there. And that's really when you want to place your future here is in about a week. Uh, Illinois is going to come out of this funk of tough teams. Probably the best number that's been available in quite some time. And, and you know, I'll trust them enough depending on what the number is. And I think that's all you can really do as a handicapper this year. If you're going to put your money on one to one horse and put it into this tournament and say, this is the team I'm going to ride to the end. I don't think you have any clue whatsoever. I think this is, I think the winner of this year's March madness is just as a mystery as who the winners are going to be at the Oscars this year. I mean, it just doesn't leak. We have no lead whatsoever. What's going to happen. And I think if you can get the right number on a handful of teams say, I mean, you don't want to buy 32 teams. You don't want to buy 16 teams, but if you can get a number at 35 to one or better on like, maybe eight to 10 teams, then you're probably sitting pretty. And if the bracket falls the right way, you can be doing good around the sweet 16. Illinois is one of those teams that I want to have a number on greater than 30 to one. So after they get through this Maryland, Michigan state stint, I'm going to look at their, uh, at their odds. Switching gears to a conference that's completely different than the big 10 is the big 12, right? The big 12, as of right now, I think that there's only three teams that are a lock for the tournament. And those three teams all could potentially end up getting one seed. I don't think all together, but I'm saying all of them have a path to a one seed. And that's the number one team in the country now, Baylor. Um, then you have the number one team in my power ratings, Kansas. And then you have a West Virginia team that I've bumped up all year. They're now right in the top 10, right in around round 10 or I think number 10 exactly. You know, West Virginia, if they get any, if they make any shots, this team is dangerous. So they have size, they can rebound, they can defend in games where they're have an off shooting night. They're still crashing the glass. They're still defending. They'll still have a shot. Now, if they make any shots, the free throws are a huge issue. I get it. Um, But I think that those three teams are in the elite conversation. And then from there, it's a huge drop off. I mean, you have Texas Tech. I'm not a huge believer in. I mean, this is you have Chris Beard on your side, but this is a team that is extremely young. You know, the only game that they've won on the road all year is at Kansas State. That is it. So I think that they get to the dance, but they're certainly not a lock if they have a slide down down the stretch. And then you have Oklahoma, I think, squarely on the bubble. And then teams like Texas and TCU have been you – know, Texas and TCU, I think, on the outside looking in. They'll need to make a run. But I think there's only three teams that are a lock, but it's a very top-heavy conference. If you have some balls, look at TCU in a spot this Saturday at home against Kansas. That's a game that TCU will probably steam, and I don't know if I have necessarily have the guts. Um, Randall, I'll start with you. Are you do you believe in all three of those teams at the top? And is there another team that you think can sneak in and maybe make some noise? The people who like Texas Tech have beer goggles. You're looking at a team and you're seeing last year's team. They have no rebounding inside. Moretti has not been great this year. Remember that shot he had at the end of the, the, the tied game, hit the top of the backboard, uh, missing big free throws. I love Chris Beard. He's a fantastic coach. But I think people are crediting this team with what happened last year. I, I, I think the top three teams have separated themselves. I totally agree. I love Baylor. I mean, we're going to have to find out about Baylor when they play Kansas and see how they're going to do. They beat them away badly, but you got to figure Kansas is going to want to get payback on February 22nd. So that we have to see. I think Baylor is by far and away the number one team. For some reason, the public hasn't caught up to them. I guess it's Baylor. They don't buy into it. Scott Drew. But, I mean, every team, that every coach that's been really good for a while eventually has their day. Agree with you on West Virginia. Very tough. Want to see them on the road a little bit. 
you know, they've shown up a little bit on the road, been a little shaky. So I want to see that. Huggies had some bad losses early in the tournament, but certainly he's done an outstanding job revamping his team, much like Bruce Pearl's done with Auburn. Auburn used to shoot threes great last year. Now they're terrible this year, still winning. But yes, I think those three teams have separated themselves. You know, Devon Dotson's been fantastic. Amazing, amazing guard. And of course, there's still that little issue with Kansas. He had the dust up the other day and he benched as a bookie to start the game. So there seems to be a little stuff going on, but self is a magician. Wouldn't it be funny, guys, if after 14 consecutive years of Kansas winning the Big 12, they don't win the Big 12 in back-to-back years? But yeah, I think those three teams have separated themselves from the rest of the group. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Kansas is that in the tournament, that'll probably make or break whether or not they go to the Final Four is does Azubuki pick up two fouls in the first three minutes, That's right? it, yep. Uh, that is pretty much what it might come down to. Colin, anything in the Big 12 you want to mention? Yeah, Hackabuki. No, Texas Tech was a team I was going to talk about, and it was because of their youth, like you guys said. Listen, the Red Raiders, they're the best in effective field goal percentage offensively, and they're the best at defending the three, but the problem is, is they don't know each other that well. Uh, and, you know, their experience, their 292nd experience, but 316th in minutes, Colin, continuity so when these when they have five guys on the floor those five guys don't know how to play with each other whatsoever and you would think towards the end of the schedule is when they would maybe get things together and maybe be playing their best but I mean we'll see Texas Tech is not a team that I've personally invested in if you're going to get them you want to get them now because they don't play anybody in the top 50 until March 2nd they they end their schedule with Baylor and Kansas so a really good time to get them as for West Virginia uh, you know, don't fall. I'm not falling too much in love with that game the other night because Iowa State is the worst in defense in all of the Big 12. They let anybody and their mothers shoot threes. So I, I know West Virginia is good. They, they're, they're legitimately one of the best teams in the nation. But Iowa State is one of the most poor power conference teams on defense, especially around the arc. So I'm not taking anything away from West Virginia until I see them lay the hammer on somebody away from home. Yeah, the Iowa State can't rebound either. And that's what, I mean, West Virginia didn't even have a good shooting night, but they just crushed them on the glass. I mm-hmm. played for little Iowa State. It was a terrible play. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement in the Big 12. It's basically those three teams. And then, look, if Texas Tech or Oklahoma sneak in, great. I don't think either can make any noise. Um, same for Texas and TCU. Now, the Big East, we talked about this the other day, so we won't spend too much time here. But I do want to make the point, you know, if you didn't listen to our podcast last week, we covered the Big East in depth. I do want to make this point and give Randall an opportunity to talk about the Big East since he wasn't on last week. What the tournament could come down to with all these teams that are so close and so much parity this year in a year that's so wide open in a year where not one team can just roll the ball out there and roll everybody is it might just be a star player who can take over at the end of the game, right? So I I mentioned that Rutgers kind of lacks that. There's some other teams that lack that as well. But the Big East, if you're looking for teams with that quality, oh, man, there's a bunch. And that's going to make the Big East Conference Tournament a blast. You have Miles Powell at Seton Hall. You know, Kamar Baldwin, we saw what he did against Villanova. You know, he can take over a game with his mid-range shooting. And, I mean, he, he is just – kid is tough. Sadiq Bey is turning into what looks like is going to be a, a really good pro at Villanova and tough shot maker. And then Marcus Howard at Marquette. These are all guys that can explode, right, on any given night. So, I, you know, and those four teams are locked to go to the dance. So is Creighton. And Creighton has doesn't necessarily have a guy that's going to take over like that. But they have a really good offense overall. Not the best defense. And then, you know, it's DePaul, Georgetown, St. John's. I think on the outside looking in, I don't see a 
a path for either of those three unless they make a run in the Big East tournament. A team that still intrigues me that I bet every week is along with Ole Miss every game uh, is Providence. I have them in the top 35 in my power ratings. I know the others have them like 15, 16, 70. I, I keep betting them. They're coming off a win at Marquette and they won at, against Creighton at home. They just need to make shots. It's a really experienced, really physical team. I don't know if they have the resume to get in because their non-conference was awful. They were awful earlier in the year. But it's a team, if you're looking for a sleeper in the Big East tournament, we've said that many times. But if they get in, they'll be a bitch for anyone to play. I know, we, Colin, you talked about the Big East last week. So I'll give mm-hmm. Randall, do you have anything you wanted to mention about the Big East who you like or you don't? I'm with you on Providence. Three of the next four in the road. We'll find out about them real soon. There are three teams, gentlemen, that have eight or more quadrant one wins at this point in the year. Kansas, Baylor, and Butler is the other one. Don't get off the Butler train because they lost three in a row. Auburn lost three in a row, and Texas Tech lost three in a row. They made the Final Four last year. So Butler is fantastic. Kamar Baldwin absolutely can wreck a game. It can take over, and you want to see that. So I'm back on Butler. And Thompson was hurt for that stretch, and he's exactly. important for defense, and he, he he gives Baldwin a break, and then, you know. The, yeah, the whole- Butler isn't a deep team. It's a Jenga puzzle like everybody else. You take a Thompson off that team, it's, it's a big, big deal. Whether he's scoring, you know, eight points or 15 points, doesn't matter. I, I think this is another polarizing game. Probably going to talk about it here. Seton Hall, Villanova. I want to see what's going to happen here because folks under Kevin Willard against at Nova Seton Hall under Kevin Willard, he is zero and seven and listen to the, the game, the points he's lost by against Villanova on the road, 28, 17, 26, 9, 30, 26 at 28. So love Seton Hall, Nova, of course, really like Butler, but I think we're going to learn a lot here because if this is another Nova blowout, it's going to knock Seton Hall down a little bit for me, even though they have all the pieces you could possibly want. Solid defense, McKnight escaped the injury, Powell can wreck a game himself, Gill inside, but they should be close with Villanova here. There's no reason they should get blown out. Yeah, it is a great spot for Nova. I mean, Nova's coming off two straight losses, right? And then they're they're coming back home. Not the greatest home court advantage in the country, but they're coming back home uh, to play Seton Hall uh, for a battle of the two teams at the top of the conference. It's a great situational spot for Nova. Alan, you got anything on this game for Saturday? No, I mean, I do. I like Seton Hall in this game and I, I know I shouldn't be taking road teams. It's like a rule of thumb. Like I'd get anybody win on the road and, but I do love Seton Hall for their defense. I mean, we've talked about Villanova before they live and die on the three point line. They love to get to, they make all their free throws. Uh, and Seton Hall is the best at defending the three point line and, and they don't send teams that often to the free throw line. So, uh, you know, I think if, if Seton Hall plays, their type of defense. I think that they're going to be able to limit what Villanova does, but you know, it is a great spot for Villanova. So it may just end up being a no play. I mean, I, I lean Seton Hall, want to play Seton Hall, but we'll see what the market dictates. Villanova does really take care of the ball. And that's one of the things, this will be a, a pace clash in a way. Seton Hall wants to turn you over, get out and transition a little bit, um, you know, and get Powell going with some, you know, transition threes and, and Nova takes care of the ball really well. And they are, are a snail. They'll grind you down. Um, they'll grind possessions down. They'll slow it up, bring the ball up the court. And obviously they're going to have the home court event. The game should probably be around Nova. I don't know, minus one ish, minus one to three, probably steam to Nova. I would, I would assume, but that should be a good one on Saturday. Are you leaning either way, Randall? I'm leaning Nova because of the spot, like you said, coming off two losses, coming home at a spot that they've dominated. Kevin Willard. So, I mean, it's going to be a tight line. They can win by five or six and still cover. So because of the spot and because of the history, I got to see it. Seton Hall, show me something here, but it's going to be a small line. I'm going to give it. Yep. I mean, Nova did go through a stretch last year in mid February where they lost 
three straight. Um, they, but they were all on the road. They lost at St. John's, at Georgetown, and then at Xavier. A little different coming back home here with Gillespie and Bay. We're going to have a breakdown on ActionNetwork.com and the Action app um, going through that game in depth. So keep your eye out there. Um, and then we got to talk about the ACC. Look, the ACC could honestly get only three teams in the dance. Think about that. The Big Ten could get 12. The ACC might only get three. That's And they're they're in the upper echelon, right? Duke and Louisville, I think anyone would argue, are real national title contenders with, you know, two real potential player of the year candidates in the ACC. I don't know if Louisville can keep the shooting up. It scares me as someone who has a Louisville future. They're shooting extremely well from three. I mean, Ryan McMahon can go off. 45% in conference play from three. That's, that's at an insane pace. That's 6% better than second place in conference play. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They're not going to keep that up. So it's something to keep in mind for some regression coming forward and potential fade value. Then Florida State, I think, is just below both Duke and Louisville. You know, and Hamilton's always going to have them in the mix in the tournament. They're going to they have a lot of length. They're going to throw a lot of guys at you. They're going to defend. Um, and then there's just a me- then it's just a huge drop off, in my opinion, with a huge mess of teams with Virginia. Syracuse, NC State, Notre Dame, Va Tech. I, I think Clemson's out of it, but throw Clemson in there. Who are all in the bubble? Maybe Virginia's in right now. That might be it. But this is the Virginia team. I think I tweeted out. It's like an, their offense looks like a pass-first offense led by Jimmy G. Sorry, just rubbing salt in the wound of San Fran. <laughs> um, but the and then you have North Carolina, who they're not going to make the tournament unless they win the ACC tournament, which I can't see happening for the first time since 2010. They dealt with a lot of injuries, but Cole Anthony's back. Not really that been that efficient. It's still not a great team with him. But I think this is just like Duke, Louisville, Florida State, and look, if Syracuse gets in, they'll probably make a run in this year. I mean, it, but the, the problem is they got to get in. But they're going to play that zone, and it's just a wide open year. <laughs> Uh, it would be just your your typical Jim Beheim run in a year like this, the Elite Eight from the playing game, as we've seen before. But I'm not a buyer in anybody else except those top three teams. Uh, Randall, I'll start with you. Anything on the ACC? But UNC cannot lose at home to Boston College, my alma mater, with or without Cole Anthony back. He, he ju- they just won two in a row. Anthony comes back. He had 26 points. He was 14 of 14 from the free throw line. And they lose to BC, followed by the loss of Florida State. So 10 and 12, 3 and 8 in conference. They are totally done unless they make that run. Really disappointing there. One of the games we'll also have a preview for. We won't spend a ton of time on it because it's not as as hyped as usual. But North Carolina Duke is on Saturday. Probably the, the, no one's even heard of it. Usually it's just hyped up all week. For those of you that don't know, uh, North Carolina is going to be catching double digits here at home, I believe, against Duke. And Duke is coming off a lackluster performance at BC. Do you have the stones to back Carolina? And what is their Super Bowl, right? I mean, whatever you're going to get from Carolina, you think you're going to get it here. Do you have the balls to back them or no shot? It's possible because, listen, Duke hasn't looked great on the road either. I mean, they lost at Clemson, Boston College. That was a very shaky game. So it's not like Duke is a cover machine. Yeah, if you're going to catch double digits, I think they could step up for one game. I don't think they're going to win the game. 
But sure, Cole Anthony could have 35 and maybe Garrison Brooks doesn't get in foul trouble and actually learns a post move. I mean, so yeah, it's possible. But yeah, I would probably take the points because Duke has not been covering that well and playing that well on the road. Yeah, they pulled away late from Georgia Tech. That game was like a toss-up yep. late. Oh, yeah. They pulled away late from Syracuse. I mean, that was kind of close. I mean, then they went to the line 50 times and made them all that game. And free throws are still an issue for Duke. You know, they were great in the Syracuse game, but they're still sub-70% in conference and out. And that's that could basically decide what the cover is when you're laying double digits. Uh, but, Gad, back to Virginia. Yeah, I just don't think Virginia can make the tournament when they're shooting 27% from three-point range. You're going to play at that pace, and they're like 348th from three in conference. They're dead last. I mean, that's a killer for a team that plays slow. So, I mean, I know you know Tony Bennett, we love him. What he did last year was amazing, especially coming off being the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed, but I can't see them making the tournament. I agree with you, Syracuse. They have a style. It's possible. I've seen NC State step up from time to time, but they're going to have to make a run now 15-8, and 6-6 six and six in conference, but they do have some flammable players. If Markel Johnson just stays on the court, I think they're a different team. I'm fine with Louisville. I'm fine with Duke. Florida State, guys, I just can't bet them anymore. When I want them to show up, they don't. When I think they're not going to, they have a big game. They're just maddening. They're maddening. And I remember that game against Gonzaga a couple of years ago where Tilly was ruled out and they absolutely smoked Gonzaga that game. Very difficult because they have the talent there, but they just have to put it together for you know four consecutive games, which is tough for them. Colin, any thoughts on the ACC? Yeah, well, Duke is not a team that I'm trusting. Like, I wouldn't lay a future on them, even if their number was even better than it was in the futures market. I mean, they have the fastest tempo in the league, but they're 11th in free throw shooting, and they're just not, you know, one of those teams that plays as a full unit. They're more like a bunch of individual players that have been kind of stuck together for an all-star team. You know, we'll see how they do in a semi-road game just down the road. I mean, it's kind of different than others where they just take a bus or their own car to, to, to play in this game and then have to go to Miami or Florida State or something like that. But I think ACC is one of these leagues where they're going to steal, uh, you know, they're going to take an at-large bid away from maybe a mid-major team, you know, if one of these top three teams doesn't make it, because Virginia right now is one of the first four out. Syracuse is just terrible at defending two-point shots. So any team with a pulse that could pass the ball and get it through, you know, cut through the zone is going to be able to beat Syracuse. You know, if you, I think that's the handicap on Syracuse. If they're able to get into, you know, the, the dance or if they're in the ACC tournament, anybody that's got any kind of great assist to shot ratio or anything like that uh, is going to be able to beat Syracuse. But uh, no, it's, it's a really weak ACC and I don't trust anybody in here, to, but I think they are going to probably end up stealing a bid from a mid-major, which is going to be sad because I don't want to see Clemson or North Carolina or, you know, a Notre Dame, anybody make a run in the ACC tournament and steal something from an exciting mid-major team. I completely agree with you on the ACC. Pac-12, look, the, the main question for me here is, I mean, you, you know, Oregon, they're going to switch their defenses up with Dana Allman and, the, and it's always tough in a tournament setting. You got Peyton Pritchard. I just don't trust them overall. They, you know, they're probably going to get a, maybe four or five teams in, right? Stanford, really young though. I think too young to, I, I really like their core. You know, USC has a lot of length. They'll probably get in. Colorado, really well-balanced, experienced team that could be tricky for a bunch of teams. The most talented is probably Arizona. But again, you know, led by Nico Mannion, freshman point guard, stud player. But this team's also really young, and it, and it shows they can't close out games. They, they lost five of their six losses. They'll come by like five points or less. Now, they've all been to really – a lot of them have been to really good teams. They blew that inexplicable lead against Arizona State. But a lot of the power ratings, including mine, have Arizona just because of their talent up there and a lot of their advanced metrics. Brand, I'll start with you. Do you, do you trust anyone in, in the Pac-12? 
Arizona is ninth in the net. They are ahead of Maryland, Butler, Michigan State, Seton Hall, Florida State, Villanova, Auburn. How is that possible? I mean, the only game that really is impressive for Arizona is they pounded Illinois at home by 21. But outside of that, the non-conference, Long Beach State, South Dakota State, Nebraska, Omaha, I mean, they really haven't beaten anyone. They got destroyed on a neutral by St. John's. Keep that in mind. And yeah, congratulations. You swept the Washingtons. What a Nice job there. But I'm not impressed with them. I am an Oregon guy. I think Oregon has the great guard. They have a good Eli, great, is that you? Yeah, exactly. They have a <laughs> they have the great head coach. They have a style. Yes, I believe in Oregon because I think they have enough. And I, I'm disappointed that Oregon didn't win at Colorado. I think everything lined up for them and I think they match up well. Pritchard got the four fouls and he, and then they just went downhill. But I think if a team is gonna make a run, they could be the team. Washington's gone totally south. I wish they still had quad green because I think they have a style. I think Stewart's really good inside, but obviously they're, I think, a two and eight in conference. I mean, forget about them. So, yeah, yeah. but you say forget about them, but green, they do trimesters now or quarters. Yes. If he comes back, yes. He can yep. come back and they can make a run with their, you know, their zone and the way that they play. And, you know, I said at the day that when he went out, I mean, they're just a different team without him. That's a team to keep an eye on for Pac-12 futures. I agree. I agree. And also Colorado was the one that I talked about last time. Remember, they did beat Dayton. I'm curious to see on Saturday if they give Colorado one of those top 16 seeds. I think Oregon or Colorado, but not both going to be in there. But Colorado, although against Cal tonight, did not look good. But they have had some nice wins there. They beat Oregon, beat Dayton. So they have some things going their way. I'm curious to see. But outside of Oregon and Colorado, I do not trust anyone, especially Arizona. Yeah, I mean, Stanford is the team for me to watch. And we talked about their youth, and they are extremely young, 334th in experience. And I'm, you know, you look at their rotation, there's three freshmen and three sophomores getting, you know, playing time, uh, you know, limited roles for two of the freshmen. But there is a lot of youth on this team, but they're the best team in the league in shooting the three, and they're the best at defending it during conference play. So, at least from, you know, the standpoint of the arc, that's, you know, one place that they specialize on both sides of the court. That's a team I want to see get through this really rough stretch. Two away games, Utah, Colorado. Uh, a couple of home games, but then Washington on the road. If we can see any signs of life before they play a terrible Washington State team on February 23rd, then maybe it's worth a little bit of future value. But, I mean, it, it's a team that you really can't trust on the road till you see it with how young they are. Uh, but if they can figure it out, I think they could make a run. They've definitely got the talent. And shame on Randall for saying Omaha Mavericks are not a powerhouse school. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of mid-major we're looking to, to get a bid. <laughs> All right, good points there. And we also have to talk about the SEC. The SEC does I, – I, I, I truly believe they don't have an elite team, but they have three teams. Auburn is interesting to me because they've been running so bad from three, but I, they might just be a bad shooting team. But they're running bad from three on the defensive end as well in conference play. Something to keep in mind. LSU, who's 8-0 in the conference, won all those games by one, two, three points. I was never a, a buyer. And now they're going to crash the boards. They're going to make their free throws and get to the line. But this is the first time in 20 years an eight-no team in conference lost to a team that was 0-8 in conference. And it was a team that hasn't hadn't won a conference game in Vanderbilt in a couple of years. So they went down. Auburn LSU will take on each other on Saturday. Then you have Kentucky. I, I mean, I think all these those teams are are pretty similar. I think Kentucky probably has the highest ceiling with Cal and, and Richards uh, come March. But you know, I, I I don't think either of them are elite upper echelon teams. And then it's a, it's a big mix of other teams that are going to be on the bubble. Mississippi State was playing a lot better. Weatherspoon's now in the mix. You have the big inside and Reggie Perry. They're playing well lately. You know, Alabama, Arkansas headed in the wrong direction, headed right towards the NIT. 
And then Florida continues to disappoint. Yeah, they had that big comeback when they were down 22 at home to Georgia. Uh, then you have my, my favorite team in Ole Miss, who I back every week. I have them like 35 spots higher than most power ratings, I think. And uh, I'll probably play them again on Saturday against Florida, catching hopefully four, four and a half, five. It's a team that's infuriating to watch, but uh, all they do is cover for me. But uh, I don't necessarily know if I trust any team from the SEC to make a run. Mississippi State is an intriguing team as a low seed to maybe cause some noise into the second weekend. Uh, what, what do you see in the SEC? Colin, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think oh, Ole Miss' season doesn't start until Kermit Davis takes his coat off and just jacks it down the court. So that's really what I've been waiting for, some fire out of their head coach. He's excellent. But they do have a tough path here. Um, you know, five of the next six games are against top 45 teams, uh, according to Ken Palm. So I'm actually looking at Ole Miss as a team that I want to back when we get to the SEC tournament, hopefully get some long shot odds there, and they can make a run. It, it's worth – Talking about what Vanderbilt did, they shot 74% from two, 40% from three. They made 17 of 23 free throws. There was 46 total fouls in that game against LSU. This is the first game that they've won, and like Stuck said, in a number of years. Good for Jerry Stackhouse. Right after the Vanderbilt AD resigns, they get their first win. But that LSU loss right there is just... Who do I trust in this conference? And the, and the answer is, I don't think I could trust anybody. You know, do we go back and start looking at a team possibly like Florida? I mean, Florida does have a schedule where it's Vanderbilt, Georgia, not too tough. Well, you know, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt coming up, Arkansas on the decline. I mean, I think Florida can put together a little run here before they get to Kentucky and LSU. So, you know, it, let's see what Florida does over some games that they should win over the next two weeks. Randall? Mississippi State's the team for me for all the reasons you said. The hardest position to match up in 2020 in college basketball is the power forward. That's what Reggie Perry is. Everybody else goes four guards, right? Shoot the three, one token big guy inside. Reggie Perry is the real deal. That's a team with everybody back now that can make a run with a really great coach. Any coach that's been to three straight final fours, I don't care if UCLA doesn't like him, has my respect. Folks, it's Kentucky yet again. Kentucky is starting to roll. They're playing better. Cal has a proven track record of getting them better. If I had to pick one team to win the conference tournament, without a doubt, it's Kentucky. On the year, they're shooting 31.9% from three-point range. But in conference, they're shooting 34.2%. That's third best in the SEC. All they have to do is start making some threes. If they do that, they're going to be very, very dangerous. I don't believe in LSU. I think that's a horrific loss, and I've questioned their guard play all along. But yeah, the long shot that I like there is definitely Mississippi State. I'm with you on Ole Miss. I'm rooting for him. I love Kermit Davis, and they had most of their guys back. It's been a baffling year for Mississippi, but Bree and Tyree can take over a game at any time, and I'm curious to see how the LSU-Auburn game is going to go because, listen, I'm waiting for Bruce Pearl to regress here. It's just not happening. They find a way to win these games on the road, and styles are, are make fights, and they have a style that's working for them right now. So, long shot Mississippi State, like Auburn as well, and if I had to pick somebody to win the conference tournament, it's going to be Kentucky. How could you ever pick anybody but Kentucky? But odds makers do take that into consideration. So if a team like Ole Miss or Mississippi State does get on the other side of the bracket of the SEC tournament, that's where you kind of want to find future value because, I mean, Kentucky just owns the SEC tournament year after year after year. So I agree. I think it's based on the bracket and some of the matches. I think it's going to be an intriguing long shot conference tournament from a futures perspective that we'll talk about. Let's just run through rapid fire here. One cents each. I'll set them up. AAC. You know, Houston and Wichita are in. I think since he's now in, Memphis and Tulsa are on the bubble, uh, even though Tulsa was first in the conference heading into the night. Temple's really bad, by the way. I mean, the, the market just can't catch up to how bad they are. And UConn was running extremely bad from three, both sides, dead last from three, uh, shooting and, and defense. That regression 
uh, started tonight and an easy win at Tulsa. Something to keep in mind in the near future. They were running really poorly. But one team to keep an eye on here, my sense is Cincy. It's the team that, you know, they had a new coach with a new offensive system. They probably have the player of the year in Cumberland in the conference. They can play defense. They're starting to adjust to his offensive system. There were some bumps in the road early on, but, you know, a win over Houston, you know, a win at Wichita State tonight, Cumberland end one in the final seconds to win it. It's a team to keep an eye on that might still have really, you know, deep odds in the futures market if you want to take a long shot. Because I think that team is headed towards the tournament and, and pretty much a lock unless they fold down the stretch after their past week. Anything on the AAC, Randall? You want a dark horse? I'm going to take SMU. They probably have the best statistical offense in conference play. I know it's a train wreck there with Jankovic and the defense, and they're always up and down, but they're long. They have the ability to, to come back in games. You saw that against Memphis. Cincinnati is coming around. I agree with you on that. If you want a long shot, though, I would look at SMU. Very, very impressed with them. That's a great win for Cincinnati, guys. That Their plane got canceled, so they didn't land today in Wichita until like early afternoon. So they got right off the plane in what is a really tough place to play and came in and whipped them up. So absolutely. Brandon has things going in the right direction. Uh, Colin, any thoughts on Tulsa well, in your backyard? Well, yeah, I mean, Tulsa takes a huge, just got hammered tonight at home, but this is the team that's best in the league at defending the arc. You know, the best defense in the league overall uh, through conference play. Uh, their next six games are against teams outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. They only really just have Houston left on February 19th, so don't be surprised. Currently marked at about a 12 seed in bracketology and Lenardi's bracketology, so Tulsa's not going to go away. And, if, you know, if you find teams that rely on the three too much, Tulsa's going to be able to gobble them up. Yeah, West Coast Conference, I also mentioned them. Gonzaga is obviously a lock headed towards uh, a one seed. And it'll be interesting if they win out and San Diego State wins out, who gets the one out West? That will be a, a major storyline. But as of right now, I think St. Mary's and BYU are both in. St. Mary's, look, Jordan Ford, they'll get you a bucket. They'll grind you down. They'll run beautiful motion offense. They'll play good half-court defense. They're just going to get into an ugly game, and they'll be dangerous. You know, BYU with Childs back in the mix, experienced team. Uh, I love the addition of Toulson. You know, if Hawes is hitting his shots, I mean, that's a team that can win a couple games in the tournament as well. The, the tough thing is how good is Gonzaga? I know they're blowing out these teams, and I know they're really good and they have the pedigree. They're supposed to take a minor step back early on the season. They really haven't. They've lost one game all year. Are you buying the Zags this year, Randall? And, and do you foresee any run from Marys or BYU? The team I'm on is BYU. Yoeli Childs sometimes can flake out. He gets frustrated easy, gives up a rebound, and smacks the guy for his fourth foul. That's what he did against St. Mary's. But they have the talent. They defend the three well. They shoot the three really well. They're shooting 46.4% from three-point range BYU in conference. So with Childs inside, they absolutely can be a team that can make a run and can get hot. I think they're going to knock off Gonzaga. They play the second-to-last game in the conference schedule on February 22nd. I think they absolutely can get that. Gonzaga, if there's going to be a year that they can win it, and listen, we see them in the final game, and if they call Meeks out of bounds, they could have won the title that year. This is the year because there really aren't any great teams. Few's one of the best coaches in the country. They, everybody plays together selfless basketball. My only issue is the go-to guy. I don't see it there. And I want to see them play defense in a big spot. I think this BYU game is a real telltale for me because I want to see how they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be San Francisco. And I, I know that they're not, you know, even within the last four out or on the bubble or anything like that, but they have beaten BYU by one. They just lost to Gonzaga by four. They have to go on the road against both those teams. So we'll see how it shakes out here in the next two weeks for them. But they work in the paint on defense. They're the best team in the in the entire conference as far as two-point uh, defense goes. So keep your eye on the Dons. I just love what San Fran's doing from an analytical perspective. This is a team that will foul, you know, against BYU up – one, I believe, 
with like 20 seconds to go and they fouled Childs on purpose. They were in BYU was in the one and one. They said, look, I'm, I'm going to take my chances of him maybe missing one. And then if he does make it, but I get the ball back for the last possession. It's a team that's fouling, you know, when a team's trying to hold for the last shot in the one and one. And, you know, they miss the front end and they're going to get the ball. So I love what they're doing. They're doing some uh, unique things from an analytical perspective, fun team to watch. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention the A-10. I mean, Dayton, I think, is a top 10 team. They have a lottery pick and Obi Toppin, who's just a a dominant force. Um, And then they just have a number of parts that work well around him, Crusher and company. But there's other teams that could make the tournament, Rhode Island, VCU and Richmond. Rhode Island's on fire. A, a spot that I'll mention on Saturday ahead of time for before we get to our Saturday spots, Rhode Island goes to GW. GW, really young team, bunch of really talented freshmen that are going to be good for the next couple of years. They struggle this year. They're very up and down. But Rhode Island and, and Dayton play each other next week. And it's for first place in the A-10. A little look ahead here for Rhode Island. Uh, Fats Russell has been amazing. It's a really experienced Rhode Island team um, that plays excellent defense. But that's a sleepy spot at the Smith Center uh, in D.C. Uh, but, you know, VCU, there's just something off with them. Richmond is a little intriguing. But I ultimately see Rhode Island and Dayton getting in. And, and Davidson and St. Louis have been two of the most disappointing teams in the country. Speaking of that spot, I will go back to St. Louis. I'm, you know, we're going to get double digits at Dayton. It's a team that matches up well with Dayton because, you know, in the three or four times they played Obi, they've shut him down. They can put, you know, French and just body him up and they can rebound, which is Dayton's one primary weakness. And St. Louis will attack the glass. St. Louis, you should never, ever, 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 ever bet them as a favorite. They can't shoot. They can't shoot free throws. But, you know, as a dog in, in a matchup against Dayton in a good spot, that's for me there. Uh, anything on the A-10, Randall? St. Bonaventure is interesting. I mean, they play better at home. They did lose the three in a row, but Noah Sooney, when he come, when he's back, they're a totally different, different team. team. Different team. So I am fascinated with Rhode Island. I like them. It's a veteran team. Dayton at some point is going to slip up here. I mean, they, they haven't done so far, but I want to see Rhode Island not great from three-point range. That's the only thing. But they got two big matchups, like you said, February 11th and then March 4th. So we're going to find out exactly what's going on there. So those two, Rhode Island and Dayton, of course, can make a run in the tournament. You want a long shot? How about St. Bonaventure? Yeah, I mean, I was all about Rhode Island here. The Rams are one of the best, in, not just in the conference, they're best in the country at defending the three. They're top half in the A-10 in defensive blocks and steals. I kind of hope that they lose this game against Dayton on February 11th because they're going to turn around and host them on March 4th. Makes a great spot where Dayton may kind of be looking ahead, thinking about their future uh, in a revenge spot that could be for Rhode Island. Yep, and last coverage I'll mention before we get to Friday Night Lights and our Saturday spots, uh, I want to mention the Mac. Just I'll, I'll say this. I love Bowling Green. They continue to be underrated uh, in the market. I stayed off in last game, pretty bad spot. But this is a team with Justin Turner um, now back and healthy. They were just dreadful without him. But I, I love their guard play. I love their offense. Defense is meh. But I think it's them and Akron. You know, Akron has been, I think, is the most well-rounded team in the entire conference. And, you know, I think if you look at for who is going to be player of the year in that conference, which is, you know, a a semi-intriguing race. But I think that you have to give it to Jackson, who's been just unbelievable. You know, shooting, he's shooting 50% from three. Turnover, it's just a turnover rate, dishing the ball. I mean, he's been great across the board. You have Cheese and then Williams, you know, the 6'9", he can step out as well. So they're a really complete team. I think it comes down to them. But should be an interesting conference tournament. You have Ball State and Eastern Michigan, really good defenses, not really any offenses. Then Kent State and Toledo, they're like the wild cards, really good offenses, and not much defense at all. 
MAC tournament should be fun, but I have to mention the Mountain West. Uh, I'm probably going to make a case when we get to March about Utah State again, uh, and they'll probably let me down against San Diego State again. Uh, but San Diego State, all they do is win. They're in my top 10, uh, as they should be in everyone's. Look, it's they have a center. Malachi Flynn has been amazing. Uh, the transfer from Washington State. They took a center who's sitting on Vanderbilt's bench, who's playing really well. You know, they have uh, our boy Matt Mitchell, who lost 30 pounds and looks like a different player this year. The greatest player on the West Coast, Matt Mitchell. I mean, I think the team is legit. I think that they're not they're not the best team in the country or even the top two or three, but they're right in that top 10, right on the fringe there. Uh, are you buying San Diego State, Randall? Totally buying. Malachi Flynn's got to find his way in an All-American team. I'm absolutely buying it. They got through the tough part of the schedule here. I thought they were, they were going to slip up, and they haven't. So they took care of the Aggies. They're not losing at Air Force. It looks like a middle school team right now. The only real hurdle for them is going to be Boise State February 16th, maybe Nevada to end the season, but Jazz Johnson's got to come back. But absolutely, I'm buying them. I expected Utah State to step up. I think you were right, Suck. They led that game like 39-31, but San Diego State came back. They get Mensa back. You got to watch out. This is not your mom and pop's Mountain West. This is a legitimate conference. Yeah, Mensa, Mensa makes them a different team. All right, so that's about that's about 10 conferences. I mean, we'll get to the rest over time and, and we'll touch on every conference tournament before them, you know, we'll get to the Valley, which could be a little wide open conference USA. I don't even know who the favorites there. La tech, I think was, but they got blown out against Western Kentucky. He doesn't have Bassey, but a big win. Maybe it's North Texas. FIU and Marshall will be speed racing there. That'll be interesting. The Sun Belt is wide open. Don't let the latest come between you and the belt. The Southern, I think ETSU is the favorite, but you got UNCG and Affirmans making their threes. I mean, it's the big sky is wide open. Uh, the Colonials wide open. I mean, all of these conferences are going to be wide open. I think there's going to be futures value abound. We're going to get to all that. And, you know, we even get to Atlantic Sun, the Northeast, Southland, Ohio Valley, Big South, SWAC, MEAC, America East, Horizon, you name it, we'll get to it. Um, but in the interest of time, let's get to the weekend and we'll start with uh, Friday Night Lights. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday Night Lights. Look, we talked a little bit about Illinois, Maryland. I'll, I'm going to look at Illinois uh, a little bit. But one game I will point out, maybe you'll know this, Randall, is Aiken back for Harvard? Harvard's an to catch no. you. No, he's no he is not. He's not back. Nope. Yeah, it's an interesting – Yale looks like the class of the conference, but they haven't played anyone yet in conference, right? They've played some of the bottom feeders, and they're shooting 45% from three in conference play so far. Uh, but they lost a lot in the offseason. You have to give Jones, their coach, credit. But, I mean, they, they've just been excellent. Bruner and Atkinson down low. Looks like a really balanced, experienced team. I think the two most realistic contenders are Penn. And, you know, Penn can beat any anyone in the conference on any given day. A little inconsistent. And Harvard. And the interesting thing about Harvard, you know, they lost Towns, a, a former conference player of the year, is going to trans graduate transfer somewhere, potentially Louisville from uh, some things that I'm hearing. But Harvard and then also has Bryce Aiken, who's been hurt since I think mid-December. He's probably their best player. When he comes back, that's a different team. Harvard is also hosting the Ivy League tournament this year. So they should be in the mix to get there. An under undervalued team to watch, Dartmouth, throwing four in conference, look a little ugly, but they haven't been making shots. And they've played Harvard twice, Penn and Princeton. Those are three of the top four teams in the conference. Should get some positive shooting regression. Uh, might have some betting value going forward. But uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the Ivy and Friday night. Not much on the card. Right? You seeing anything on Friday, Randall? 
Yeah, you said it with Yale Harvard. I, I think that Yale's tied atop the standings with Princeton. They barely lost at Penn State. They won at Clemson and lost by three at UNC. I think they get a comfortable win over Harvard. The one that jumps out at me, folks, how about St. Peter's? Last in the MAC last year, now tied atop the conference with Mama seven and four. Shaheen Holloway, second year. They're doing a great job. They face Maris. They beat them at home by 26. Peacocks are great against the spread this year, 14 and six. So that's one. And also, like, I'm with you on Illinois. I think this is an Illinois win on Friday night. And I'll probably bet South Alabama again because I bet them every game and I'll probably bet them to win the belt. Um, yeah, the MAAC is one of the most wide open conferences in college basketball. The difference between Iona's in last place and they could win the MAAC conference tournament. Uh, as bad as they are, they still have town, whatever reason. Uh, Clues always just wins that tournament. But um, that is a wide open conference. I guess Monmouth is the best team. Colin, anything on Friday night? Yeah, just VCU for me. Uh, I'm going to swallow the whole, you know, the big nine number that's sitting out there right now. Uh, and, you know, the thing is they're coming off of a loss against Rhode Island. They're playing a Davidson team that is just terrible on defense. They don't have any blocks, no steals. They can't defend the three-point line. I think VCU just gets off the schneid here after the loss to Rhode Island, and I'll swallow the points. All right, let's move on to Saturday then. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. I think Gonzaga rolls St. Mary's. I don't think St. Mary's has a prayer in that game. Michigan State, Michigan, it's sort of desperation time for Michigan. I want to see what's going to show up there. Purdue, can they capitalize finally off of some momentum at home going against Indiana? Remember, Indiana beat Michigan State at home, so they've been tricky. Really interesting games across the board. Mississippi, like you said, in a great spot. They're going to get three or four against Florida. I think that's interesting as well. Listen, Arkansas is now going to Missouri. They're banged up. We want to see how that's going to happen. And then, of course, we talked about Duke, North Carolina. I guess flip a coin, but I'll take the points here. So a couple interesting spots. Last one I want to mention also, can Minnesota step up and get a huge win at Penn State? Because if Penn State gets this win at home against Minnesota, then all of a sudden now we have to start thinking that Penn State is legit. Can they back up the big win at Michigan State against the solid Minnesota team? That's what I want to see. Again, a polarizing game. Either Minnesota is going to get a huge road win or we're going to have to start believing in Penn State. Those are the games that I really like. Yeah, I agree with you on Minnesota. It's it's a big big time letdown for Penn State. You know Minnesota they went to Ohio State and got that win. And Penn State doesn't have a great home court advantage, right? They play in that cavern, um, so it's not at all the teams in the Big Ten that is going to hold serve at home. You know outside of Northwestern and, and Nebraska, one of the ones that I feel comfortable going against in a spot like this is probably Penn State. You know I think St. Mary's I'm going out of the limit. I think St. Mary's beats Gonzaga at home. Uh, St. Mary's is going to grind that game down. Uh, Gonzaga wants to run. They want to go fast. They want to score. St. Mary's going to grind that game down to a halt. I think the line is going to be like, I'm hoping to get like three. That's how short it's going to be. But I think St. Mary's beats them. You mentioned Air Force, San Diego State. I said it, I think maybe to you, I replied or someone I said on Twitter, like two months ago, I was like, this is San Diego State's going to lose at Air Force after they, if they beat Utah State. Now, after what I've seen from Air Force lately, I don't know if that's, that, I don't see that happening now. Air Force's offense looked great at the beginning of the year. Their defense is one of the worst in the nation. Now their <laughs> offense doesn't look great either. But if I'm getting like 17, I don't know if that's an inflated number. It is a flat spot going to altitude for San Diego State after beating Utah State. Uh, we'll, so we'll see how inflated. San Diego State is in the market. Another game that I had circled is Oklahoma State. Do you know it's a team that that got to the window for me against TCU? They're at Baylor here, um, and look, Baylor—they're you know, coming home for Oklahoma State after four days off. It's just 
It just feels to me, and it's an Oklahoma State team that played them really close and Stillwater and Baylor pulled away late. It's a game that feels to me, and you're going to be catching double digits here, that Baylor's going to be a little sleepy, right? They have Texas, still a big game for them on Monday, but then West Virginia and then Kansas coming up. Like So this is, I think, a lull uh, for Baylor. So I might look at Oklahoma State as well, another game that I'd circled. Colin, what do you have circled for Saturday? Yeah, we talked about Villanova and Seton Hall. And I mean, Seton Hall is the best in the Big East and the 11th in the country defending the perimeter. So I'm going to see what the market says, how many points I can get with them and and look at possibly backing them. But I think the spot that I like the most is Auburn's off a double overtime win against Ole Miss, a victory against Kentucky, an overtime win against Arkansas. What is left in the tank? LSU is off a really embarrassing defensive effort against Vanderbilt. LSU's top 10 in the nation in offensive rebounds, top 10 in two-point field goal efficiency. Uh, and that's where they're 26th in, in point distribution. They love to feed it down low. And it looks like they're going to get points in this game, maybe two or three points. And I think it's going to be an LSU team that's going to try to rebound from that embarrassing Vanderbilt loss against the Auburn team. I just don't know what they have left in the tank. Another one that I have... This, this LSU team will... will they have no problems going on the road. They just lost at Vanderbilt, but this is a team for two years in a row has found a way, both LSU and Auburn, they'll find a way to, to scrap and claw. I, I agree. I, I think that you will get LSU's best effort, but it, I mean, Auburn is running really poorly from three, uh, but you're right. I mean, three, two of their last three games went to overtime. One of them double overtime. They beat Arkansas in overtime. They beat Kentucky, beat Ole Miss. So yeah, I think it's from a situational perspective, it's a good time to grab the Tigers of Baton Rouge. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Michigan hasn't won a home game since January 9th. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I can't trust Michigan State with money on them or money against them. But they're on a two-game losing streak, and they seem to be doing fine in first halves. And then for some reason – can't close the deal. So Sparty in the first half is definitely something I'll be looking at, especially with the sh- whatever's going on with borrowing cars and wrecking them going on up in Ann Arbor. I think maybe a first half line here on Sparty is what I'm looking at. The only other one I had was Gonzaga. And I, I think you and I are going to disagree on this just because the average height of these teams, Gonzaga is fourth in the country and high average height in St. Mary's is 131st. And where that comes into play is St. Mary's has a real problem with blocks, shot disruption. I just feel like Gonzaga is going to have clean look at the basket all night. And the only thing that's going to stop them really is slow play and just, you know, taking a bad shot or just not being able to make them on the road. St. Mary's is dead last in block shots. They rank ninth in the WCC uh, in offensive block percentage. And the Zags get bulk, the bulk of their points inside the arc. And that's an area where St. Mary's really struggles to defend. So, um, you know, I'll be looking maybe to back the Zags here and uh, in a game where a, a friend of the podcast, Hayden, will be live and in person uh, texting me live results. So probably you and I might be against each other again. We may. Yeah. And I also, I mean, TCU, a noon, noon tip in Fort Worth, basically for their season, maybe against Kansas, maybe catching double digits uh, against the Kansas team who's at West Virginia on deck. You know, they've won, what, six or seven in a row, but they've been a little sleepy for a number of those games. So, you know, this might be, this is going to be TCU Super Bowl. And from a situational perspective, they've been much better at home. Uh, they're coming off an embarrassing loss at Oklahoma State. So maybe TCU is worth a look, but I don't love it. And then uh, another good dog to potentially back is a team I hate. I hate their offense is Virginia, right? Virginia, we talked about how well Louisville is running from three, right? There there should be some regression there. This number is going to be pretty high. And I took Clemson the other night against Tech, and I was catching eight. And I made it around eight, seven, seven point two. 
but which isn't a ton of value, but I said in a game that's going to be maybe in the forties or fifties, it's a lot of points, right? It's a lot more points than if the game was in sixties or seventies. So after adjusting for, for the score and the, and the game of pace, I saw some value. And I think there might be some value in Virginia in a grinder game, maybe catching double digits against Louisville, who should have some regression coming to them in the three point category. I mean, they're shooting over 45%, as you said, Colin, from three and holding opponents to about 31%. I you know, don't think they can sustain that. Go ahead, Randall. One more I take a look at, too. We talked about Akron earlier. They have two consecutive losses here in the MAC. They're coming home against an Eastern Michigan team that they beat by 24 away. So that's going to be a, a decent spread. But this is a spot that I think Akron gets right here. I believe in, in Christian Jackson, and I think they come out strong and really, again, establish themselves as one of the best teams in the MAC after two tough losses. Yeah, that, that last Akron loss was a little bit fluky to Kent. And then, you know, if you look at where their conference tournament is, by the way, side note, it's up in Cleveland. I mean, it's not, it's pretty familiar territory, not far for Akron to get there. I love them in their conference tournament. Yep. Um, and then I think that pretty much covers the marquee games. Uh, we'll have a bunch of previews out on Action Network app and actionnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. If you haven't listened, also check out Colin and a number of our colleagues' podcast on the Emmys? Yeah, that was <laughs> the, tremendous. The, the Emmys, sometimes I said the, I think the Academy Awards, but they're the same thing, right? The Emmys and the Academy no, Awards. No, no, Emmys, Emmys are for TV. It's the it's it's the, you can say it's the Academy Awards when they hand out the Oscars, is what you want to say. Oscars, Oscars. Jesus, I'm gonna sound like an idiot on the podcast. I am I can tell you from a movie perspective, I was a huge fan. I was I was flying up to New York this past week and I watched Parasite on the plane. Huge fan of that movie. Uh, I got to catch up on some of these movies because it's been football season and college basketball. I'll do some of that in April. You're a huge fan of Parasite too, right? Any any other movies that we were of them that we? I'll save the tips and stuff for the podcast, but that we should. Uh, watch. Yeah, everybody should listen to the podcast. But obviously, it wasn't a bumpy flight because uh, you know Parasite is all in subtitles. But I, you know, Parasite was one of the most fun movies. I, I it seemed to just fly by. The story was so fantastic, so well edited. Uh, the tuberculosis scene is one of the most well edited pieces of movie cinema I've seen in a really long time. But to tell I you the had, truth, I only had my Bluetooth headphones, and I was a TV on the plane, so it was the perfect movie to watch without sound because it was all subtitled. You know. Yeah, it was it, it was a fantastic even for a foreign film. I don't care if you like subtitles or not. You need to watch it. It's fantastic. And 1917 is is a really good in theater experience uh, that is just a technical uh, powerhouse. So it's going to be a really good battle this Sunday. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review. That really helps. We appreciate it. Tell an enemy, tell a friend. Uh, we hope that caught up. Uh, the conversation is always helpful, even if you've been following college basketball year, but we hope that caught up some of you um, who haven't been following as closely with football going on and now are looking to get into the mix. Next week, we'll continue our regularly scheduled program. We'll have a guest in uh, for a specific conference. We'll talk about another conference or two. We'll focus more on the Friday night and Saturday spots. Um, maybe talk futures if we're seeing anything out there and we'll get right back into it. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Bring it. <laughs> We're finished talking. <laughs>